0: It's the action, point, no relaxing. Straight from off the rails with your host, Mr. Patrick. Show we attack, then defend and react. Calculate the damage, then resolve in a snap. Facts with this ear and ember blade, leave no witnesses. I just close the combat chain and we winning this. Listen, this is a blaze, we ain't going scar for scar. And I'm feeling like a hero, we ain't going call for card. It's the action, point, no relaxing. Hello, everyone. I am Patrick Shaw, your host on The Action Point, and this is episode 10. What a good round number that is. The dump truck of spicy topics backed into my driveway and left a giant pile of sword out. So let's meet today's panel and get some hot takes. First, uh, he's the longtime host of the Flesh and Blood Pod podcast, as well as the new Brown Alpha Clash podcast, and a menace to monetization every time he shows up on a YouTube video. Logan Peterson, welcome to The Action Point.
1: Hello, I will keep it clean for exactly 30 seconds.
0: Just get it out of your system. Go ahead.
1: Well, we're at fucking fifty seconds, so I can yeah, say whatever the fuck right, I want now. There
0: it is. Okay. Excellent. Now we can get on with it. Second, uh, he's accumulated more top eights than Rick Flair has championships coming off a mind-boggling fifth. Is it fifth battle hardened?
2: Uh fourth battle hardened win.
0: Fourth battle harden win. Uh this weekend. Welcome Brody Spurlock to the action point.
2: Hey, what's up everybody thanks for having me on the show Patrick
0: uh pleasure to have you. you've been you've been on my bucket list for a while so I'm uh, happy to have you on um, how do we how do you follow basically building your own functioning p5000 power loader from the movie aliens uh, you become a full-on literal cyborg Rachel Stoddard is a three-time Taylor card winner and joins us on the panel today Rachel thanks for coming on to the action
3: hey guys glad to be here uh, I had to put down my cybernetics for a minute but it was worth it
0: uh, one of the best I think cosplays I've ever seen. All right, and last but not least, if no one breaks the cycle of abuse, it will never end. I know who you are, Derek Oswald. You are not Tannen Grace. There, I said it. Uh, he is an esports caster, and you can hear him on a million different podcasts about a million different games. Flesh and Pod, Wampa Radio, Clashground, probably eighteen more. Charmer, welcome to the action point.
4: I want to know why the f- I am not on your bucket list. If Brody can be on your bucket list then why can i not be <laughs> brody brody is
0: uh tied for the most top eights from the battle hardened level up at 16 with michael fang is as uh
1: the person that he's tied with he, he also plays this game unlike you
4: excuse you sir <laughs> excuse you.
0: let's uh let's go over how the show works because if i don't announce it does it even happen I'm going to ask the panel a series of questions for each question they have up to 90 seconds to give me uh, their opinion on the topic. I'll give you a cue when you're getting close, and at 90 seconds, I will cut you off. We'll go around the Imperial Warhorn, and when the last person is finished, we'll have an opportunity for additional comments or rebuttals, and then we'll move on to the next one. I'll give a point to whoever provides the best answer to each question, and the person with the most points at the end will have a couple minutes of completely open platform and can talk about whatever they want before we wrap things up. How am I deciding the points? However i feel like it all right first question james white was on the instant speed podcast this past week and spilled the beans on the upcoming living legend format he said that all heroes will be in the format and it'll start with no ban list skeletons awakenings prisms abound are you looking forward to playing in this format and what deck are you most excited to play in it logan start us off
1: uh, yeah, so first I want you to make sure that we put some respect on his name and it is the host of the Instance Beat podcast is none other than the author of the stoic, Matt DeMarco. He just make sure to go ahead and get that out there as fast as humanly possible. Now this LL format actually has me thinking about going to Barcelona after I'd written it off months ago. So you might find me there eternal formats are my jam. I fucking love that shit. And if I were going, if I do make that trip, it's gonna be skeletal viscerai with warmongers diplomacy. I'm coming in hot, I'm blue blocking three, I'm slamming warmongers against aggressive decks because all I'm doing is drawing circles. I'm drawing circles on little pieces of paper and then going kablooey. It's all right in your face, you gotta taste it. It's that It's that one YouTube video with the animation of Oldham just reading a book, gaining some life, and viscerize scribbling circles and then blowing his face off. That's my plan in Living Legend to start before Skeleta
2: inevitably gets banned
0: that's fair that's fair uh moving on to Brody what do you got
2: yeah I am definitely excited about LL format and I have to agree with Logan and double down on Skelet of Iserai. that is still my all-time favorite Flesh and Blood deck to play in any format uh in Blitz and CC it was a blast so I literally cannot wait to play it again and beyond that I think chain and Starvo are both top contenders for like potential best deck warmongers obviously exists now which is a pretty solid counter to chain. I think it'll give him a harder time than he had when he was around in CC, and it's like a good way, a good uh balancing mechanic for him if he you know does start off as top dog. And the last thing I'm curious about with LO format is will Briar stay eroded, or are we going to go back to six embodiments a turn, sting of sorcery, arcane kings, like block eight with a plunder run, Briar? Because I think that if it's the latter, it's quite possible she's a best deck contender as well. And I would not mind playing that deck again, honestly. It was a little degenerate and crazy, but that was the first CC deck I ever tried. So it would be a lot of fun to try it again.
0: Me as well. That was very, uh, I have very fond memories of ruining uh, all sorts of uh, lives with too many embodiments. Rachel, LL format, what do you think?
3: Yeah, so I'm really excited about it. And I think for two reasons. One, you know, you're getting all of the heroes and it's not just the living legend heroes. So you're seeing how these heroes that were the boogeymen of yesteryear, do they stack up to what's coming out now? Or are you going to even see the power creep there? And I'm really excited to see that and see how something like Starvo matches up to Dash after Evo. But the deck that I would bring to play, and I'm glad you guys brought it up, would be some uh, uh-oh SpaghettiOs Cheerios, Cheerios Briar because <laughs> I really want to give people some PTSD. They thought they were rid of the thorn, you know, but no, we're bringing it back. We're taking out errata's and we're going full zero red. I, I just want to see it, you know, kind of just have some fun making people cry again in a good way, in a friendly way.
0: I'll take it. I'll take it. The, the, the Cheerios with the embodiment. If they, if it's errata, I think it has to be CMH, but you still get the ball lightning to it,
4: right? Derek, what do you got? I have the, I guess, hot choice here. Uh, pun very intended because it's not a hot choice whatsoever. Uh, I have Icelander on my list and here's why everybody's planning for chain they're planning for briar they're planning for visceri they're bringing the ab1 they expect starvo maybe even prism sure i think you're going to have a bunch of folks that forget that ab3 is still a requirement and on top of that i get to play warmongers diplomacy with hypothermia with the amulets i get the full suite of the ice control all, all of these decks even even uh brier chain whatever they're going to have to deal with warmongers but they're also going to have to deal with all of that ice uh i i just i don't see anybody dominating icelander when there's the full
0: suite you hate having fun i if are all starting with 0 you are now at minus 1 you had to go with with the
1: Oh, the he's the ice. King of Misery. Oh, I can man. Confirm.
0: Oh, terrible. There's still got to be, I, I'm going to, there's got to be a work around there. I, Icelander's definitely powerful. Very curious to know what, uh, what Awakening feels like in Starvo. This is the, this would be the meta that James White did say, ship it in. Uh, any final thoughts before we move on to the next question?
1: I do really look forward to the good old fashioned, fused, dominated, oak and old. Into an ice bonk again. That does sound like a lot of fun. I I miss it. Uh, I'd be lying if I said I didn't. It's just like it's a casino. I'm pulling the lever on a slot machine. Let's go. The casino. The casino is a myth.
0: There was a 66 percent chance of of hitting that. Uh, Flesh and
1: Pod was the first people to do the math, sir. It was 68.7
0: okay all right sorry sorry it's even better than that all right uh that one is going to go to
1: brody for having uh the kid uh, piggybacked on me are you kidding no no i'm not moving <laughs> this on is to ageism products. i not, hate it
0: <laughs> <laughs> moving on to the second question uh we finally found out what the collaboration between the professor at talarian community college and uh legend story studios was with the packaging for around the table shown to us at uh us nets the professor laying out the product uh in his video chatter has already started about some of the cards being previewed only being available in this box my question for you is this Is it okay for pre-constructed deck products to have mechanically unique cards? Why or why not? Brody, start us off.
2: Yeah, I do think it's okay because, first of all, the cards are, like, accessible to everyone, whether that's from them buying the product itself or just purchasing the singles they need, like, on the, the secondary market. It's not difficult to come buy these cards and put them in your deck for a tournament. And it is possible that, like introducing so many unique cards and these kind of side products will make it harder to keep up with everything available and like know what's available for a given hero if you can't just look at the main 10 or however many sets at the time it is um but i think because we have so many like online deck building tools now that make it really easy to just like browse the card pool available that's not a huge concern availability is not a huge concern so for me it seems like a solid thing Um, And I think it makes the products more exciting and interesting to engage with and play with if there are, like, totally new cards you've never seen before. But I would be curious to hear if anyone else has uh, reasons why it's not a good thing.
0: Very well, very well. Uh, Rachel, Mechanically Unique cards.
3: I mean, the only reason I wouldn't like it is because my wallet um, you know, obviously with this coming out and the professor being a Mac, you know, I'm going to invest hard. And if there is a mechanically unique card that I'm going to actually want for my CC deck, that is going to hurt. But, you know, I would point to something like glistening. My husband's a big Dory player. I also like playing Dory. Um, you know, that came out as a classic battles and, you know, it didn't rock the market in my opinion. You know, yes, it is a little little bit pricier, but it's nothing outlandish, you know, when you look at what a tunic costs, for example. And honestly, if it puts money in LSS's pocket that they're going to use to make awesome product and keep pushing it out to us. And we have something new to look forward to in these sets. I personally don't see the issue with it, especially if it's like a, a print on demand set. Now, if you were telling me this is something that, you know, we're only going to sell 100 copies of it and and yet this would still be legal, then I, I might, you know, not be supportive of that. But since this is something that, you know, in theory, if you do have these, you know, mechanically unique cards in these sets and they're going to be sold in, in greater quantities, I, I don't have an issue with that
0: excellent excellent
4: Derek your thoughts 100% it's acceptable if anything it's probably more acceptable than packs and that hurts me to say look I get it it's a trading card game we all play it because we're all gambling addicts but trading card games are the original loot boxes and with these you know what you're getting every time you make the purchase right that is actually kind of a nice thing in a card game going even a step further there is nothing preventing them from printing this set forever, right? There's no like set print run. This could be print on demand for the life of the game if they really need to. But also they're very lenient with their reprint policy. So if anything becomes a big hot staple, they can throw it in a future set in expansion slots like we're seeing coming up with bright lights or in history packs or whatever else. We still also have the elephant in the room. That is the PVE content coming. It might get reprinted there as well. There's lots of opportunities for people to get these in the future. So, yeah, day one, is it going to hurt that you have to spend 70 bucks or whatever it is for the whole thing? Probably, but long term, not a huge deal.
0: You do get a sweet, real play mat with that $70, too.
4: Logan.
1: Well, somebody's got to be the devil. I guess it's got to be me. Shut so, you. obviously, Brody's never had to buy a glistening steel blade at an event before, because guess what? They don't exist at most vendor booths. You have to just buy a fucking classic battles. Most of the time, two of them because you need multiples. Other side of that coin, too. I was playing Kasai when classic battles came out and went, shit, I need run throughs. I paid $50 for two run throughs. And then two weeks later, they're promos. That hurts. <laughs> that hurts real bad. So. This is one of those instances where it can create havoc on people's wallets, and it can also create that same problem with scarcity. So you're going to get that one card. You show up, and it's like, I'm going to just buy a Civic, whatever the fuck the boots are, from a vendor for $10, and no vendor has them. Guess what? You're now paying $70 if you want to play the optimal suite of equipment in your deck. For these boots that shouldn't cost that because there's no vendor that has them and they're not going to crack a $70 product for a $10 card. That's not how it works. Well, there's certain ones that would like mid max the realm. They probably would. But the fact of the matter is that this does create some early tension. And that's really what the worry is, is that early marketplace tension. It will eventually level out. Like everybody says in the long run. Yes, it's fine. But I almost feel like some of those cards that they can anticipate that are going to be chases, they just reveal are going to be promos straight away and kind of alleviate that market risk right away. I think that that's actually the best call. That
0: one goes to Derek. It was going to go to Logan, but uh, playing Dory at an event, is just not realistic thinking. Uh, We're going to move on to the next question here. Over the weekend, there was some controversy over at UK Nats. What is this? 2021? Uh, we won't get into the gory details, but it turns out Pummel only discards when you tell it to. Uh, there are there has been a lot of discourse and name calling and rules lawyering since then. We'll attempt to sidestep the mud chucking, but instead, I ask: Are the comprehensive flesh and blood rules comprehensive enough? What is one change that you would like to see made in the near future, Rachel? Start us off.
3: You know, this is a difficult one for me because I would say that I consider myself to be like a a filthy casual, at best, maybe a casual plus player. Um, So I don't usually get caught up in really complicated rules matters, especially given that I play Dash and she's kind of a straightforward hero. You know, her interactions are a a little less, um, you know, on the stack and such. Uh, You know, for me, I don't have a particular change that I would suggest. But what I would say is that I'm extremely supportive of you know, kind of the way they look at the rules right now, at least from what I can see from my perspective, um, you know, it's bad to do a knee jerk reaction to a change. And it's also bad to wait too long for something. And I do think that at least from what I've seen, they do strike a balance in addressing situations um, and taking the time to study it, what's going on, you know, community reactions, things like that. So depending on, you know, if there's outcry on a rule, um, you know, I don't feel like they just knee jerk it and change it right away, nor do I feel like they ignore um the words of the community and so i you know a bit of a cop-out answer i don't have a specific rule to change but um you know i do think it's just as important to look at the process by which they change the rules as much as the rule you'd want to see changed that's
0: right derek are you also going to cop out with your answer
4: no 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 in fact i'm probably going to catch some heat for this one so here's the one thing that i would like to see changed all right The one thing that I would like to see changed is the community response, because it's kind of bullshit. Sorry, gang. Listen, refs are a part of the game. You can't complain if the ref sided one way or the other. There was a judge at the table. They let it go. Go with the judge call. If you want to take judges out of your game, go play a digital card game. Legends of Runeterra is right there. It's fabulous. But if you're going to play a paper game, it's part of the game. and crying and claiming people are cheating and throwing mud is honestly saying more about you than it is the other person. Uh, Hanlon's razor is a thing. You should not attribute to malice that which would could be uh, explained with just sheer stupidity. Sometimes people forget things. And I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, hey, these are top level players. Of course they didn't miss things. And the one guy admitted it. Well, one, if he admitted it, then he's not really that good at cheating because he just copped to fucking cheating. So again, stupidity. And two, Uh, majin bay when he was very first learning the game twitch chat was calling him a cheater all day long when he was playing on camera at the calling he'd been playing the game for like two weeks he just literally missed things so a lot of people like to jump to hey this person's a cheater hey this person's a scumbag and that's what i would like to see change i would like people to just go with the flow that's it hard have fun all right. Your time
0: is up. Uh, Logan, cheater, McCheedy faces and rules.
1: What do you got? Uh, I I, my entire answer was just channeled into Derek's rage. Apparently he's been around <laughs> me too much because that was just exactly the type of shit that I would say. And I 100% agree with him. Listen, the rules are fine. There's nothing about the rules that needs changed right now. Yeah, you can miss your own fucking triggers. Guess what? Pay attention to your shit. If you notice your opponent's not looking to discard, when you pummel them, go, discard a card, sir, or madame, however this works, honestly. But so many different things come down to these little edges. And when you have a card game in paper, these edges are going to get exploited. And these card games have huge stakes. Brody's made enough to buy his first car. Like, let's be honest here, that's not nothing. This is this is real money that people are competing for, and they're going to look for edges. And sometimes those edges come from the rules. They come from letting your opponent make fucking mistakes. And if somebody is going to just give you something, let them just let them do it. If somebody wants to not put a token on their tunic, whoops, you missed it. That's all there is to it. Granted, sometimes it feels bad when it gets noticed on camera. But at the same time, who cares? It's the rules.
0: All right. Now, uh, the only one of us who has any business answering this question, Brody, what, <laughs> what do you have to say about the
2: current comprehensive rules? So I think writing the rules for a card game like this is a really complex and difficult job. And overall, I think they've done a very good job. But the one change I would like to see is more clarity about the philosophy behind a lot of the rules and procedures that are in place um, to A, give the players a better idea of why those rules are written the way they are and like what LSS's motivation is. And B, to give judges help in dealing with situations that are kind of more in the gray area or situations that come up that don't fall neatly into the like examples outlined in the rule books. And like, obviously there is a lot of uh, work to be done with any card game like this over time, seeing what works, seeing what doesn't, and they're still experimenting with and improving the letter of how these things are written but i bet there's like a stronger more like more sound concrete philosophy behind a lot of the things and so i think just more like actual uh written content from lss about the philosophy behind it would help clear up a lot of things that people are unsure or unhappy about
0: all right all right do you, is there i i I don't know why it just, it doesn't happen, right? Like the pummel hits, right? If you take everything else out of the equation, right? The discard effect, why doesn't that just happen? Like, uh, sure, everyone misses the trigger, but why doesn't the judge just go, eh, take the card out and, and drop it and say, this is this was not just mandatory, but it was part of the game and you're not going
1: to just not let it happen. Uh, Because you want babysitters at every fucking table because that's what you have to have. Yes. You literally want to employ enough judges to sit at. You have have them at a feature mesh table. What about table 22? What about table 22? Who's going to adjudicate that? Like, you have it, to have a judge sitting at on every camera. goddamn table. No, it. not every match is on camera, Pat. What fucking it's, Christmas no, land do you no, live no, in? That course, is not how life works. On
0: camera should have... If it's, it should be
1: eight so you want you different, different 3, rules. rules? You want different rules for feature matches? Match. So you yeah, want different so rules for feature matches is than is every like, other table? That's ridiculous. That is so stupid.
0: The pummel hit. We're not just going to walk away from it. We're just going to make sure the game moves. What forward happens at table 28?
1: Ended. What happens when it happens at table 28? I Pat? don't give a
0: shit about 28. I can't care about table one. So you
1: want a different set of rules for feature We're matches, moving then-
0: on to the next one. Uh, <laughs> question number four. The whole fab world, uh, it seems, has been counting LL points, seeing if we'll get Icelander or Alexi to join Briar in retirement. But they aren't the only heroes that have gained LL points this NAT season. 12. Different heroes, in fact, have won nationals, Uh, which leads me to the next question. What is the best performing or most dangerous hero in CC that is getting the most disrespect? I believe I start this one with Derek. Start us off.
4: Easy answer. Every hero that can play pummel disrespect galore because nobody is discarding cards. That's the entire point of the card. It's my favorite card in the game. I'm on wax saying it over and over. My favorite thing is to make my opponent discard cards. Uh, that being said, I'm going to go with Bravo, mostly because he is kind of considered the best of the worst, and I think that he is better than that. I think that a lot of it has to do with the fact that he has to be uh, played precisely, and your game plan with him can change throughout the course of a match. Uh, sometimes you draw all your gas, and you start aggressive, and then you have to switch up your game plan. i I think that everybody knows how to pilot Bravo when you have three blues and Crippling Crush. I think that it's very difficult to know what to do when you have a bad hand with Bravo. And the good players can make bad hands seem mediocre, but that's good enough. Uh, But yeah, I think, you know, Bravo is probably the one that gets the biggest uh, amount of disrespect. Mostly because of old him as well. Everyone just wants him to be old him because old him was so dominant. And he's not. He's a completely different hero. He always has been. Uh, And he's got, you know, some pros over Old Him if you really want to look at it. But yeah, bravo.
1: Logan, most disrespected hero. Uzuri. I Mm. think right now Mm -hmm. Uzuri has a good matchup into Lexi and people are underplaying her because they're scared of the rest of the field. And I get that. But a well-piloted Uzuri is every bit as good as some of these other decks like Dromize or... Um, even your, you know, your briars as they were competing. Uh, it doesn't, it doesn't really have, it's one of those decks when piloted well, it, it has a pretty good matchup across the board. It kind of reminds me of playing oldem during the Starvo days where if you could pilot Oldham competently, the only thing that you really worried about was Prism. Because you were good enough into the rest of the field. I think Azuri has a has a good matchup into the best deck. And then has serviceable matchups across the board for the most part through the format. But people are afraid to play it. And when somebody does pick it up that is good with it, you see them sneak into top eights kind of frequently. So I think Azuri is my answer.
0: And that's exactly what I was thinking when I made this question. So not to, uh, you know, uh, decide already who's got the points, but uh, I, and I would say it's not just, it's not just a couple matchups. I think it's just one. I think it's the draw my matchup. Uh, uh, Brody, most disrespected hero.
2: For me, it is Azalea. Uh, She's not one that's been performing the most recently, but she has been sneaking into top eights here and there Um, in the top eight of calling Birmingham. There was one Azalea and also Levi put up a result. Uh, Toward the start of DTD season at the PTI event in Chicago, he took that deck to either the top eight of the top, or I think he took it all the way to the finals, actually, losing to Dromai in the finals. And at the very start of the Outsiders meta, when all the new Ranger cards came out, we saw Azalea kind of looking like she was going to maybe be on top for a minute, and then she fell off, and Lexi kind of took over in popularity as that meta progressed. But I think at that time, the Azalea builds had two very bad matchups. and maybe some others that are unfavorable. It depends on the build and it depends on how much sideboard space you devote. But the main one I'm getting at here is Oldham. I think a lot of Azalea builds were not favored into Oldham and had a really hard time getting through him. And so if you ran into Oldham's, your tournament was just kind of over. Now that he has LL'd, I think that is a big boost for Azalea. It is true that Warmonger's Diplomacy has been printed now. Obviously, that's everyone's main go to reason why not to play this hero. But I guess my hot take is you don't even need to necessarily change your Azalea deck because of warmongers. I do think there are some ways you can improve it to play through that card better. But I think in a lot of situations, Azalea is so powerful that even if you do get warmongers once, you can just kind of brute force your way through it because your uninterrupted turns are so like above rate and impressive. Um. So yep, that's my pick for hero that maybe is not getting as much attention as it deserves.
0: I. I thought I knew where my points were going in this question. And just it's swaying a little bit. Uh, Rachel, most disrespected
3: hero. How am I supposed to follow that masterfully crafted dissertation (laughs) thesis? Like, come on, Brody. All right. Um, You know, my take, I'm going to be kind of on brand here. Uh, You know, I would actually say there's a lot of Mac disrespect out there. And I say that because, you know, I hear the words all the time thrown around. uh, Vanilla damage, you know, no on hits. What am I worried about, Dash? Um, I think Dash's danger comes in her consistency, depending on how you build it. One, she really rewards people that put in the reps on her, that build a consistent deck. Um, You know, she may be 50-50 into a lot of matchups, but again, that goes back to a skill factor. Yes, there's variance, but Flesh and Blood does really, uh, I think, you know, at least from what I hear more so than a lot of games, uh, really favor consistency and practice and reps and skill. Uh, so I do think that she gets disrespect a lot. Like people didn't, I wouldn't have said would have thought she would win a calling at Baltimore. Um, you know, but uh Merrick took her there and and that was incredible. But also I think it goes to show her consistency and and how you can pilot that with skill. But also her other danger is in you don't know what you're sitting down across. I hear people say, well, the dash decks are all the same, minus two or three cards here or there. I sat down at Nats with a Hanabi Blaster deck. The amount of eyes that went wide at that when I flipped that over and they realized they sideboarded incorrectly because they couldn't have known um, was was awesome actually and it really you know rewarded me throughout the day um, you know I didn't make it to day two I'll say that but that was more of a skill issue um, but it was definitely rewarding to see that people realizing hey she can be built different ways um, she's not always the same thing and uh, you know there still is e- even consistency in something like a Hanabi deck which is a you know pretty hyper aggro deck. So that would be my take.
0: Dash, not only calling Baltimore, but the same pilot, uh, Sutherland, who has a channel called The Action Point, got uh, fifth in the Singapore calling, uh, just won Australian Nationals on Dash. Same same Dash deck, too, just has been taking it, uh, topped uh, another call. I can't I can't remember the, the other one, but it's placed well three times in big uh,
2: three. It was the... Uh, Calling Auckland earlier this year, he took down the he, whole, whole event. He did. He yeah. got
1: first. Got first in there. Um,
2: yeah, the threat
3: is real. It's out there. Uh, well, yeah.
1: or it's or it's one of those examples where, uh, flesh and blood is a game about the player and not as much about the hero, and we have a person sitting in this chat that embodies that. Thank like you. About not you, you fucking tool.
4: How would but you You've never seen me play.
1: <laughs> you just
0: you just completely jack his Look, line and then shit on him. I, <laughs> saw, I saw, saw you try to play
4: one player. handed once. It was pathetic. <laughs> I don't. I don't want to. Uh, I don't want to brag or anything. But I'm undefeated against Brody. That's all I'm going to say. You can check. So am it. I. But we've never played. Oh. So.
1: <laughs> but the I fact of think... the matter is that I think, the, I, think the, I think the person piloting the deck matters, and somebody that is so in tune with a single deck like that is going to have an advantage into the field
0: i definitely think there's there's something to uh not uh when you if you look at icelander and like and and, and like raya pil- piloting that when you go to these big events you're not just playing the field like if you were expecting to go far you're expecting to see the good pilot that is the exception that plays that deck so you really gotta you're not playing towards great joe average icelander player you're you're you gotta play knowing that you might I, face. I
1: also call it the hurt. Levi Rauch effect because yeah, exactly. Levi on Azalea is a, is an actual threat, regardless of Azalea good or not.
0: We're moving on to the last question. Uh, Hemel Patel, he asked on Twitter how people like to organize their card collections. Uh, people showed off their binders and fun little desk piles and everything was good and right with the world. And then Carolina Alvarado posted the floor of her car. Uh,
1: two things. One, if you've ever met Carolina, this picture makes complete sense. It's an utter mess of a complete calamity of six different personalities mingling in the trunk of a car. What more do you want? That's exactly describing Carolina. It's totally fine. And as far as, like, organizing and handling your collections, you're your cards. Do what you want with them. This picture makes me feel nothing. I take out a Shiana deck that is fully foiled I sometimes single sleeve it. Sometimes I don't sleeve it with all the gems in it. And then I riffle shuffle the damn thing because they're mine. I can do with them what I please. I also do love seeing some of the uncomfortable looks when I flip an eye of Vafidia or an Ark Knight shard out of that deck. And somebody goes, were you just riffle shuffling that? Yeah. Why wouldn't I like, who cares? It's mine. I can do with it. What I please. If this is how the, the Carolina wants to store cards, eh, go for it. I mean, I'm sure they're still sleep playable. All, all fine. No big deal. As a matter of fact, I kind of want to flip and rip the floor of Carolina's car. Who wants to do it with me?
0: <laughs> uh, I think getting there would be uh, half the battle. Uh, Brody, how does that picture make you feel? How do you are you are you a little? Is that the over or under for how you organize your your collection?
2: So this picture definitely makes me feel the chaos inside. I would like to say that. None of my Flesh and Blood card piles look like this, but as time has gone on, it's gotten harder and harder to keep everything organized. I completely understand how things, now I understand how things end up looking like this. I, uh, in general, treasure my, my fab things and try to keep them like neat and organized. But the more I play and the more I come back home from, you know, like the local draft night, with bulk that like, I don't have time to put away or the box for that set is already full. It just gets more and more like in piles around my house. And then the piles get too big. And then they, instead of like, you know, stacks, they become literal piles, like we see here in this photo. So uh, I get it, Carolina. As I've played more and more card games, I have more and more places in my home that look like this.
0: There, there I, Flesh and Blood has, the most bulk. Uh, it is there's so, <laughs> there's so much bulk in this game. Yes, there is. <laughs> Rachel, how does that picture make you
3: feel? So, you know, I'm going to say this picture really sparks joy for me. And I want to shout out my bud Carolina on this one because one, it made me feel organized seeing this. And that's a hard thing to do. Uh, and two, is she's bringing up the value of my Enlightened Strikes like one small percentage at a time. So I really appreciate that and her boosting my collection like that. Um, You know, I explained before this call even really started, before we started recording that all around this camera, what you don't see that looks, you know, it looks relatively organized is the cosplay trash pile and my cards are not in much of a better situation. So I'm constantly like catching shit about it around the house. Um, And so thank you, Carolina. It sparked so much joy to see somebody else embrace the chaos too. Um, And and once again, thank you for helping me pay dividends, you know, one uh, 10th of a penny at a time on my collection.
0: (laughs) Excellent. Excellent. Derek, how does that collection make you feel?
4: This, this photo makes me feel relieved. (laughs) Like, (laughs) honest to goodness, just true relief. I have come to think of Carolina as the the daughter that I'll never have. I have two young boys, no daughters. Uh, Between her and Elaine, whenever I'm at an event, I feel like I have to be the sage father figure that makes sure that they're okay in life. And seeing this with no dead bodies in the trunk really made me feel like things were okay.
0: <laughs> uh that well, <clears throat> that is Matt's home now, so uh, <laughs> there's no
4: dead that's bodies. that's exactly my point though. This could have been a picture with him like, you know,
1: he told me it was the basement
4: though in the trunk. <laughs> like that's because Renfield sleeps in Dracula's
1: coffin, Rachel. Uh,
0: I, uh, so I just want to, uh, I, I love Cara, Carolina. She's been on, uh, multiple podcasts of mine. She's collaborated with me many times. I am the originator of the Carolina sleeves, uh, that have made several streams, uh, but those, we, we stand Carolina Alvarado in this house. So just wanted to, we're just a little fun with her. Uh, all right. That is, uh, that wraps up the questions of the winner by by a hair brody you uh, are the winner of this episode you have two minutes to say whatever you want go go ahead the floor is yours
2: all right uh i guess let's do a let's do a get to know brody segment outside of flesh and blood all the things about me that do not involve fab uh the first of which is i like to play tennis i used to play basketball starting sometime honestly since i was little but starting around sometime in elementary school i started actually playing for a team and for a lot of years i played basketball and then i kind of stopped when COVID hit and never really got back into it as far as like competing and being on a team i just play with friends uh pick up games like casually but i have recently started playing tennis and i play for a local homeschool team and it's a lot of fun it is definitely my favorite sport i've tried um i feel like it's like a nice combination of good exercise and you know like physical ability but also strategy um i think there's like a lot of like geometry and placement and stuff to think about so it's cool it just feels like a a sport that rewards thinking which i like that those two things are mixed and then beyond tennis i like to read and write i do not read nearly as much as i used to and that's one of the things i'm actually trying to do more like just fantasy novels. I really like fiction. Nonfiction reading is good, too. But I am a sucker for mystery and fantasy. Uh, mystery is the biggest one. Anything with a plot twist, just like, I love it so much. If, if it's like the kind of book where you can tell there maybe are going to be some plot twists, and then, you know, you get to the end, and like trying to predict them and then seeing what they are, it's like, nothing makes me happier. Uh, so yeah, I love reading. Writing. Um, writing is, <laughs> I mean, I like to read or I like to write the genres that I like to read, mystery and fantasy. When I was in sixth grade, I wrote a full-length novel. It was like a, a 30-day writing challenge with me and two of my friends. So it was uh, basically our goal, our goal as a collective was to write 100,000 words. And one of my friends ended up being busy. He was doing a theater show at the time. Uh, side note, I've also done some theater. I really like acting. Um, I've, I like spoken plays more than musicals. I, I'm, I'm not a big singer, but I do really like acting in non-musical theater. But yeah, anyway, the writing challenge. One of my friends got really busy with theater, only wrote 11 or 12,000 words. Uh, one of my friends, the other one, hit the main individual goal that we had of about 33, 34,000. And then that left me to try to complete our group goal. And I ended up writing uh, somewhere between 55 and 60,000 words in the month I just like spent all my time on it and went crazy and uh, that just like reinforced my love of writing and then you know in the month after that I like finished my book it was a book based on Dungeons and Dragons because I'd been playing a ton of D d so it was kind of just like that's what like inspired the world I guess it was like a fantasy world with elves and half elves and the like um so yeah reading writing tennis are some of the some of my hobbies and I am six foot. this is our ending fact i uh every year i feel like for the last i don't know three or four years i've gone to the doctor i've been ready to get measured and i'm like okay this time we're definitely like six two and a quarter whatever it is nope six one i'm like because they they usually what they tell me is just the the inch i was like six one and i'm like six one and how much how how much longer until i'm six two so i feel like oftentimes in card games people see me sitting down and then i've had people tell me they're surprised by how tall i am so I am a six one, hoping that one day soon I will finally be six two. And that is you know, a bit about you me. You know what I
1: took from this, Pat? <laughs> We're, was, we suck. We suck. I was a worthless <laughs> fucking teenager. Yeah, yeah. My yeah. God. Just, I I'm I was shit. My yeah, I absolute oh, trash. That's what Jeez. I was. So I don't even just... want to I wouldn't want to talk about the number of times I just committed better. arson or, <laughs> I mean, it's none of this oh, is, I, I don't know. Like I feel whole, wholly inadequate now and this is your fault. you know
0: We can take solace on the fact that that 61.999 6, measurement was done uh, with elephants and giraffes on a nice illustrated pediatrician's uh, measuring. <laughs> <laughs> wall there all right that is going to do it i was gonna let you go for as long as you were talking i uh, this is the most I've, I've uh heard about you uh ever so i was just
1: it was oh one question though for brody have you ever read the
2: stoic you should
1: really look into that
2: i have not yeah. i don't think yeah. i've heard of it
1: yeah it was written by matt demarco i don't know if you've heard of him oh yeah, so it's available I have a on copy amazon if you
3: need it Oh, is, this a, is this a thing is this a real this, thing is this, this, is, a, real. this is, is real this is, is actually real he's a yeah i had this, no idea
2: this is number right. one at the top of my list now i'll have to uh, okay. said it's on amazon i'll look it up right yeah. now yeah
0: yeah um so we're gonna wrap things up and uh we're gonna do plugs all around uh logan where can we find you what are you doing and uh, give me give me all the good stuff
1: Uh, I am one half of the dynamic duo of uh, both Flesh and Pod and the Clashground podcast, one being a Flesh and Blood podcast, the other one an Alpha Clash podcast. If you want to see me just, you know, pounding bottles of scotch and uh, saying uh, fuck a lot on the internet, kind of like I just did tonight, uh, tune in to Flesh and Pod. We have new episodes every Tuesday unless Charmer's internet doesn't work. Uh, you can also find me on Twitter at Logan Peterson or at FleshPod. I'm also in charge of all the socials for Flesh and Pod. It's kind of just my thing uh, for guiding that. And Charmer's there to make sure that I don't get sued. But uh, yeah, that's basically where you can find me.
0: Thank you very much. Brody Spurlock, what are you up to? Where can we find you?
2: Uh, you can find me at Brody Spurlock on Twitter. That is pretty much the only like online public profile I have on social media. So yeah. Excellent. Excellent. Rach, where can we find you?
3: Yeah, Rach aka Max Ferocity on Twitter and Instagram. Um, also coming soon a YouTube channel that is going to have some Woo! tutorials and some talk of cosplay. So I'm excited for that later this fall, and I will publish it out to my Twitter when that happens. Um, and also stay tuned, we are going to be having a spoiler season starting. There's a rumor on the street that I could have a hero spoiler, um, maybe coming next Ooh. week. So, you know, hang around, check that out. I can't wait to share it with you guys.
0: Awesome. That is uh, very exciting. Derek, Uh, you can
4: catch me in the pits learning the ways of the assassin via Uzuri. And if you also want to find me in other places, uh, I am on Twitter and Instagram, and I'm in a million discords. And uh, I'm on Twitch and on YouTube as Charmer. You can literally just send me smoke signals and I'll probably get it. So I'm very easy to find, but.
0: All right. You are watching slash listening to the Action Point. The Action Point theme was written, produced, and performed by Griff. Podcast audio stream is available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more streaming platforms. Head over to Twitter slash X, whatever you want to call it. Follow us at Off the TCG. Then head over to YouTube and subscribe to us there. And don't forget to like, comment, and click the bell notification for the latest OTR content coming out all the time. OTR is a free to join Discord. Click the link to join in and be the first to see new content as well as have a hand on how the show is made. A very interactive uh, Discord when it comes to what people want to see and how they want to what questions they want me to ask and so on. Uh, also shout out as well to my team, the Tavern Brawlers head over to the Brawlers discord where you can sign up for all sorts of weekly and monthly events for some of your favorite TCGs, including flesh and blood and alpha clash. That's going to do it for us tonight. Thank you everyone. Once again, for joining it's me, the remember kids, Point, no it's more let's fun. Let's and it's off the Good rails. night. With your host, Mr. Patrick, Shall we attack and defend and react. react, calculate the damage and resolve in a snap. No. With this ear and Ember Blade, leave no witnesses. I just close the combat chain and we winning this. Listen, this the blaze wing going scar for scar. And I'm
3: feeling like a hero wing going call for card. It's the action, point no relax.